Welcome back to the Centered in the City podcast. I am so glad you are here. My name is Wade Brill, and today is a solo episode. I want to break down with you three lessons that I learned and relearn again and reconnected to while backpacking. Now, these aren't just lessons about how to be in nature and backpack effectively. These are life lessons, lessons that I learned out in the wild that are reminders that I want to take away and am taking away from my trip and integrating into my life. As you listen to today's episode, let it be a mirror to reflect back in your own life, your own learnings, your own lessons, what you're paying attention to. And I would love to hear from you what you're learning about yourself, what you're integrating, because we are all on this journey of constantly paying attention if we want to, if we care to, and allowing that information to inform how we show up and how we take action in a more intentional way. This is the practice of staying centered. So let's settle in and let's get centered. I'd like to preface this exploration, the lessons that I learned in my backpacking trip with, I have lived in the Pacific Northwest for 10 years, which blows my mind. However, It is still a practice for me going out into nature. It is always a stretchy zone that I get to practice being with. As a New Yorker who grew up around cement streets and Central Park as her wild backyard, going into like big nature, like Pacific Northwest has big nature, animals and mountains and rivers like nature that feels very different than the nature in even upstate New York that I also grew up with. I give this background because I'm not one of those people that just feels confident to go on hikes by myself or to go just venture and camp by myself. Being in nature is stretchy. I love it when I'm there but it is a stretchy zone. So these are three lessons that I learned this previous trip of going into Mount Rainier National Park and camping for three nights. So the first tip, when they talk about backpacking, everybody's saying you want your pack, your backpack to be as light as possible. And it makes sense. You are carrying everything on your back, on your body. And when you're walking 8, 10 miles a day and incline up to 3,000 feet of elevation or maybe even more, you of course want it to be easier on your body, on your joints. So it makes sense that people suggest, the experts suggest that your pack be as light as possible. However, I also think it's really important to pack yet have a delight. So this is my first tip. Pack yet have a delight. Meaning make sure, yeah, you're packing smartly, you're packing efficiently, but that you're also not cutting out all of the creature comforts. Now what I mean by this 
because this can be interpreted in many different ways, is make sure that you have things that feel delightful, not from a place of super attachment because yes, when you're going out into the wild, one of the intentions is to live minimally, right? To be one with nature. And that is its own thing, right? That's part of the stretchiness. But I am somebody who needs to pack a few outfits instead of just relying on one outfit to live in for those three days. So having a clean shirt or sports bra to put on or underwear is very important. Those little delights are very important. To other people who backpack, they might just go with one outfit for a few days and they are living it up, embracing the dirt and the grunge and that is part of their own process. For me, I need those little delights. Like it was so delightful on my third day when I was feeling super grimy and dirty and yes, I washed off in rivers and yes, I used, you know, little cleansing pads on my face and on my body but to put on a fresh pair of underwear and a fresh shirt was like, ah, this is so delightful. So packing those little delights are to me really important, especially knowing that this is my stretchy zone. I also really emphasize the importance of food. If you know me or have connected with this podcast, you know that food and nourishment is so essential to my well-being wherever I go. And I put a lot of intention and care into it. I'm not one of those backpackers that can enjoy having every meal be a freeze-dried pack. Again, I get it for those who really need to lighten their load. But to me, I would rather hold a little bit more weight to have more whole foods. I'm also not doing like super intense backpacking where my pack needs to be super, super light. So I would rather hold that extra load to have that delight. That is important to me. So we made some really fun, delicious camping meals and I packed a bag of mixed vegetables and we had that in three of our meals and we're able to nourish our body as best as we can with the limited resources we can. We had delicious like ramen one night. We had this like bean and rice mixture one night. We had this Indian package and rice one night and then some really delicious salami and cheese sandwiches and package of olives and of course really good trail mix like to me, those are the delights that are worth the load and the weight. Another delight that I had in my pack was a book, which people again have their opinions around. Some people bring a little Kindle. Some people bring the smallest book possible. Some people rip out their pages that they have left to read so that they're carrying less. I brought the whole chunky 200 page plus book and my journal because those are delights that are important to me to carry so they were worth the wait on a pit stop on the trail a ranger even stopped me and 
said, wow, you really went for the big one when referring to the book that he saw hanging in my side pouch. And just to acknowledge like, yep, I'm carrying that load and it was worth it. So I welcome you to pause here with me and check in with yourself, whether you're going on a literal or figurative backpacking trip, what are some of those delights that you would have with you? This next lesson is a really deep one for me. It is, I think, will be my life lesson, a lesson that maybe I will continue to work with forever, maybe not, but it continues to show up as a theme in my life. Anytime I think I get close to healing that, there's a new layer of it. And this lesson is to trust myself. When I get anxious, I notice my mind spirals like all of our minds do and starts to catastrophize, starts to create these stories of what will happen and occur. And when I'm able to slow that patterning down, slow the observation of the thoughts that's happening, notice the sensations in my body, I start to realize this common theme and belief around self-trust. Everything in life gets to be our mirror and a lesson if we slow down to pay attention to it. And so being in nature, there was a lot of time for me to pay attention and learn some lessons. So this lesson of self-trust showed up a few times. And one of them was when I was on the trail I was hiking with a friend and my friend decided to keep going on the trail. For me, the trail was getting a little steep on on the edges and I get a little bit of vertigo and I just said, you know what, you go ahead, I'll wait here in the shade. And as I waited in the shade, I noticed panic start to arise in my body. I started to spiral like, oh my God, there's nobody around. What what would I do if I needed to do something? Could I get back? Like I just started to freak out and I sat with myself. I calmed myself down. I connected back to my breath. I noticed the sound of the river roaring right next to me. I breathed. I looked for something pleasant in my space. I found that sense of regulation in my nervous system And I had to talk myself through of like, you can trust yourself. You know how to get back if you needed to without somebody else here. And I noticed how much I wanted and yearned for that sense of social connection to feel safe and how I was relying on something outside of me to feel safe. And that was a moment for me to find safety within to build that sense of self-trust within, that I am capable of navigating my own way back. Yes, this is stretchy. Yes, being alone in nature is stretchy. Yes, being in day-old clothing is stretchy. Yes, being a little dirty is stretchy. Yes, like just backpacking and being in raw nature is naturally out of my comfort zone. Like give me the cars, give me the hustle, the bustle, the people. I know how to handle that, right? But give me a bunch of trees and space and big, big mountains and openness and that sense of aloneness. Like 
yeah, that's uncomfortable for me. That is stretchy. I got to recognize all of those layers happening and calm myself down and talk to myself and say again and again, I trust myself. I am capable. And that created this inner sense of of strength just to be there. And I noticed my body relaxing, my nervous system relaxing, resting into trust. And then at the same time, my mind was just starting to be like, oh, but you need to be anxious now, but you should be anxious. And dancing with both of them was so interesting. And sometimes that happens. Like our body will tell us one thing, but our mind is telling us another thing. I want to listen to my body because the mind loves to make shit up. The mind loves to create stories. The mind loves to get attention. And so when I realized both were happening, I just again and again brought my attention back to this place of safety that I was feeling and resting into that. And anytime my attention would get pulled by my mind, I would bring myself back to the sense of safety again and again. So that for me was my mindfulness practice in that moment. And it was huge. Another piece of practicing self-trust was when hiking. There were a couple scary parts. And for me, what scary means is narrow path with really steep drop-offs. I get a little vertigo-y. I start to, even though I'm very much connected to my body, I start to feel like I don't trust my feet and my footing. And so with each step that I was taking, I just repeated, I am capable, I trust myself. I am capable, I trust myself. And with that sense of attention in my mind, I started to then feel that sense of stability in my body. And so again, this was kind of the inverse practice of repeating this mantra in my mind and starting to let my nervous system feel that sense of safety, feel that sense of inner security. I welcome you to pause with me here and check in. May this topic of self-trust be a learning opportunity for you. What does self-trust look like for you? When do you experience self-trust? How do you nurture this quality within your own mind and body? My third takeaway from this backpacking trip, and this is a lesson I already know, and it's something that I really try to embrace every day, but it's like nature fucking nurtures. Like nature is such a gift to spend just a few days resting in nature, not looking at my phone. I only took out my phone to take pictures. I didn't even use it for time. When I can rest into nature and just look at green or look at trees and rocks and water, it's like I can feel my eyes shift. Like I feel like my eyes get so many vitamins that is very different from the day-to-day of working. Now, I can't necessarily go on a hike every day. Maybe you can where you live or that's part of your weekly routine. But even just getting out and taking a walk and seeing trees or going to a local park 
or walking by the water, like being in nature elements has such a healing benefit. And it's obviously not just my personal experience. There's so much research out there of how important greenery is, how the impact of trees have on our mental health, our well-being. Getting out in nature just nurtures the soul. One of my friends I was backpacking with kept kind of making these comments of like, what is time when we try to talk about like, hey, what time do people want to eat? Or when do we want to wake up in the morning? He was just like, what is time? And it was very true. Like, what is time when we are backpacking? We use time in our modern day world to stay organized, to stay efficient, to stay on the same communication wavelengths. It's, it's an organizational tool for efficiency. And when we're out in nature, time is the sun. Time is light and darkness. Following those rhythms is is just really fun and different, something fun to play with. Similarly, when I'm on silent meditation retreats, there's this rhythm of going to bed when it's dark and waking up when the sun rises. We come back to this natural rhythm. And that same thing tends to happen when I'm backpacking. You go to bed right when it gets dark because it's not really fun to be maneuvering with headlamps and you wake up when it starts to get light out and you begin that day naturally. It's also really interesting to think about how much more we can shove into our day because of technology, because of these extra resources we have, because of electricity. Like we, after dark, can keep working or doing things or being productive because of the lights we can use and the ways we can see. Or we can keep using our computer because it's plugged in and it's still running. Or we can watch episodes of that Netflix show or or whatever it is. We can keep going. But when we strip all of that excess away, when we come back to this natural rhythm that is in nature... We come back to nurturing our human animal elements that we in our modern day world get pulled apart from. Coming back to nature not only nurtures this inner rhythm that is so part of our natural way of being that capitalism and efficiency and technology has kind of sucked the life out of us. But there's this also beautiful spiritual element that comes alive for me in nature. I start to feel part of this huge landscape that has so many eons and years of history and knowledge that I know nothing about. There's so much wisdom. When you're looking at a big mountain like Mount Rainier and seeing all these glaciers and the shape of the mountain and know that the shape is because of how these water glaciers have formed and melted and frozen over many years like there's just so much there and it reminds me of of how big the world is how magical the world is and that I don't need to be stuck in my little ego mind and world, that it gets to open up my view and it helps me connect 
and feel one with the trees, feel one with the rhythm of the water, feel one with the animals and birds that are around. Now let me tell you, it is practice to feel one with the mosquitoes and the flies that can be really aggressive and annoying, but that is also part of cohabitating in nature with these animals and recognizing I'm more in their land than they are in mine. So I get to keep remembering this practice of nature nurtures. Right now it feels really alive in our garden when I get to just see fruit and vegetables come up from earth and create this nourishment and life from these little flowers and buds and seeds and that sense of they nourish me and I get to then nourish the soil and it becomes this cycle of giving and receiving it's also a really helpful reminder of how important it is to get out in nature like when there are weeks that go by I start to crave nature adventures whether that's going out for a hike or a bike ride or just a walk in a park I start to crave more of that which is very new for me only in the last I want to say five or so years did I start to have that craving And you can find this sense of nature in urban cities. Like going to Central Park, I always say is one of my favorite places to be. Finding a botanical garden, walking in the neighborhood and just looking at beautiful trees and potted plants that might be around or people's gardens. Being around animals, the birds, the pigeons, the squirrels, the chipmunks, the dogs, the cats, like being around animals also just connects us to life so i'll pause here and welcome you to think about how does nature nurture you how do you connect to nature what are your natural rhythms that you feel are really grounding to you that bring you back to those basic fundamental animalistic needs of where we came from. How do you prioritize connecting to nature and finding that nurturing element? I would love to hear any and all of your takeaways, what you're noticing or learning or paying attention to or even have like more of a question or curiosity. Feel free to head on over to centeredinthecity.com and leave me a voicemail. Share with me your takeaways or feel free to reach out on Instagram at One Wade. Do you have your own backpacking lessons that you'd like to share? Let me know as well. And if you found this episode inspiring and insightful, please take a moment to rate and review and share it with a loved one. It helps continue to get centered in the city into more people's hearts, minds, and ears. Thanks as always for being here. And until next time, stay centered.